0: appreciate God for those who are joining us on Live Gate outreach TV or uh, listening to the podcast of this message and um, I want to say God will continue to reach you right where you are in the name of Jesus. We thank God for the privilege to be able to fellowship together across borders and it is a very great privilege that God has given to us as a people of this generation and the Lord will continue to help us to make good use of it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. We have started a series on sanctification by the gifts of the Spirit in the last few weeks. And God has been speaking to us in diverse ways through diverse prophets. As you can see on the banner, we, uh, we started on the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God, basically taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Right from verse 4, we go all the way to verse 11, and then we looked at the gift, we started to look at the gifts of the spirit in the wisdom, and the spirit, that is the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, we looked at the gift of faith a couple of weeks ago, and we looked at, uh, about three weeks ago, and then a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the gifts of healings, and last week, Pastor Moses led us very powerfully on the gift of miracles, And we want to thank God that he's been helping us to just go through these things as led by the spirit of God. It is his faithfulness that continues to help us and may his name continually be glorified. We want to thank God because what he has been doing for us is taking us through a journey of his word in a very systematic way. And I believe that everyone who has been following this series will know that what God is saying to us as a people is that we should learn how to develop ourselves in these giftings. And above all, how to also know how to benefit from them. We said every gift is given so that it can profit all. The gift is given to one. And it is for the profit of all. So when we, re- when we know how to manifest the gift is good, but when we know how to receive and receive the manifestations of the gift, it profits us. The profiting is both ways. The one who gives it, the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. So the one who manifests it gets the blessing uh, of the manifesto. But the one who also receives gets the profit. So we need to know how to work in both because as I said severally, that when you operate in a gift that I don't particularly operate in, I receive from you that which the Lord is doing in and through you. And when I operate in mine, you receive from me that which the Lord is doing in and through me and so on and so forth. So we need to have a full comprehensive understanding of what God desires. The reason God wants to sanctify us Totally, That is to bring us into holiness, to bring us into freedom, to bring us into this exclusivity with him. To rescue us from the dominion of darkness and separate us from evil is simply because that is what his son, Jesus Christ, came to die for. The Bible says for this purpose was the son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the evil one. So every time God looks down and he sees evil, particularly in the lives of those that have been sanctified, those that have been delivered from the dominion of darkness, he enforces their sanctification through the operation of the gifts. Either by giving them a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, uh, as we look at today, a prophecy that would help them to be removed. Or like we looked at a couple of weeks ago, healings, and last week, miracles, that will help them to experience the supernatural intervention of God. He has been doing this even from the Old Testament. There was a man called Joshua, the high priest. He has already been saved. The Bible says, but when they appeared in front of God, he had a filthy garment on him and the lord himself came and said to satan the lord rebuke you satan is this one not a bland that has been blocked out of the fire and the bible says the lord tore he said take off that filthy garment and take it off him and they tore it he sanctified joshua the high priest because joshua the high priest was already saved was already delivered was already rescued into the army of the lord but he was still in filthy garments and god has not changed He's still looking down today and walking on his saints as many who are carrying one burden or the other. A physical illness, an emotional sickness, a spiritual setback. He is still willing to show himself strong on their behalf. But what he's doing today is walking through you and I by the manifestations of the several operations of the Holy Spirit through these giftings. We have been reading 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, all through the series. The Bible says, now, let's read it together, it's on your screen. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You all know that everything we are doing now will come to an end when, the spirit, when, the, when Jesus appears again. We are waiting for that glorious appearing. But the Bible says he's coming for a church without a spot or wrinkle. So what he's doing is he's cleansing the church consistently, recruiting more into the church, cleansing the church, and preparing us for that glorious day. And I believe God is going to be doing greater things in every one of our lives in Jesus' name. So the spiritual gift of prophecy is listed among those gifts of the Holy Spirit that we know about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have been reading from them, but we want to read specifically verse 10. Let's read together. We read it partially last week. Let's continue reading it this week. Go on. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. That is one way for us to understand. And uh, he said he has given these things to another, another, another. That means he selects us of his own volition and he gives us these gifts to manifest. One of the gifts he has given us is the gift of prophecy. And the Bible says also in Romans chapter 12 verse 6. The Bible says, let's read that together also. Having then gifts. Differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy to the proportion to our faith. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. He said, when you have the gift, it is not for you to just be benefiting alone. It is for you to use so that others can profit. He said, if you have prophecy, use it. There is something called the differing, the, the differing, the gifts that are differing according to grace. The grace that we carry are differing. They are different. And God Himself is the one who defined the, who defines the grace that we carry. The Bible says, whatever those gifts are, whatever those graces are, let us use them. Let us use them and prophesy to the proportion of of our faith, if it is prophecy. Hallelujah. And I want to encourage us in this regard because when we don't understand the importance of what we have, then we cannot maximize, we cannot maximize the uh, opportunities that God gives to us. When God gives you something, he's expecting to use it. He's expecting you to use it. Matthew chapter 25, the Bible says he gave one, one talent, another one, two talents, another one, five talents. And at the end of the day, he asked all of them what they did with it. And we all know the story. The one who used his five talents got a good reward. The one who used his two talents got a good reward. But the one who buried his one did not get any reward. As a matter of fact, he got the one removed. And don't forget, everything that God has given has to be used. Everything God has given has to be used. If you don't use it, he takes it and he puts it on somebody else. He now took it from that man and gave it to the man who had five. Hallelujah. May God not take away that which he has given to us. In the name of Jesus. So the Greek translation of the word prophecy or prophesying really just basically refers to actions that have to do with speaking, that has to do with declaration, that has to do with making known the intentions of God. So whether it is speaking, declaring, or making known the intentions of God, they all refer to prophecy. God always has an intention for mankind. The Bible makes us to understand, it says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, they are of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So prophecy is one of God's tools to help you to get, to tap into those intentions of God. He has a good intention for your life. I say he has a good intention for your life. He has a good intention for your marriage. He has a good intention for your work. He has a good intention for your ministry. He has a good intention for everything that concerns you. But because your way of thinking and his way of thinking are poles apart, he uses prophecy for you to get to understand his own way of thinking. And we as a people must value the gift that is in God through God's people in the place of prophecy. Prophecy is the gift of prophecy is not only about what is called foretelling, which has to do with predicting the future. That is one element of it, but that's not the only thing. Prophecy is much more about forth telling, to tell forth, to speak. It can be something about what is to happen right now, which has nothing to do with the future. The word of God can come and say, this is the word of the Lord. I desire to do this right now. I desire, and then he can work with other gifts. I desire to manifest in healings. I desire to send breakthroughs. I desire to do a new thing, comfort the weary soul, whatever it is. And as he expresses that in that place, it takes place right there and then. And then there are prophetic insights into what is to happen in the future. We have been living in the great times of prophecies ever since time immemorial. God has been speaking intentions through diverse prophets in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, kings had to depend on two key offices. Kings who were kings to the children of God had to depend on two key offices. Somebody say the office, of the, the office of the priest and the office of a prophet. Now some kings, like King David, could operate in the three very easily, but they also still had physical priests and prophets like Samuel who walked alongside with them. But we all know that as important as the office of a priest is if the, in, the, in the Old Testament, if the prophet was not there to support the priest to foretell and to foretell the things that God is desiring per time, the worship of the people will be curtailed and limited because the priest is designed predominantly to just perform the ritual of leading the people to God momentarily and as often as is possible and to allow people to have access to the throne room of God. So the prophetic office has been very important, and this is why even though apostles did not exist in the Old Testament, when God brought about the apostles, almost every apostle in the New Testament operated some kind of a prophetic calling in their lives because it is very important, and then we in the New Testament are royal priesthood, and we are of also uh, the prophetic uh, extract because the Bible says we are a chosen generation, we are a holy nation and a peculiar people. So we have the opportunity to operate in these diverse gifts and diverse ministries so that the Word of God can continue to be established. Many people also misconstrue the fact that the office of the prophet, that is the ministry of the prophet, you know, the fivefold ministry the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the pastors and teachers, these are all ministry gifts and everyone who is called to be a prophet predominantly is called to prophesy but we also should understand that the spiritual gift of prophecy can manifest in every one other office. So whether a person is called to be a teacher or an evangelist or a pastor, they can prophesy Prophesying and the giving of prophecy is not restricted to the office of the prophet. Praise the Lord. Any believer whatsoever, just like healing, is not restricted to anybody who is gifted with the gifts of healings. Every believer can, in the context of the Great Commission, operate in all these abilities. They only become gifts and ministries when they are predominantly operating in your life as gifts in a unique way, distinct way, and you are a leader of leaders. When you are a prophet of prophets and you can teach prophets and raise prophets and have sons of prophets, then you are more or less operating in the prophetic office. Praise the Lord. So I want to clarify these things because many times people say I cannot prophesy because I don't think I'm called to be a prophet. And that is wrong. That is very wrong. What qualifies you to be to prophesy, rather, what qualifies you to prophesy is being gifted by the Holy Spirit, whoever you are, whether you don't even operate in the so-called five-fold ministry and you operate more in administration and helps. How many of you know that there are many other ministries apart from the fivefold? There are so many others. There are administrations, there are helps, there are giving, philanthropy. Those are also ministry gifts. We don't talk about them as much because those five are more about the church as in the spiritual establishment and the running of the church. But we must understand that whatever the gift, whatever the office you operate as a ministry, at some other time, we will look at ministry gifts separately so that we can understand how they all fit together and how God expects us to use the gifts. But the gift of prophecy itself is the first of what we call the inspirational gifts. We have talked about this before. The other two are the gifts of diverse tongue and the gift of interpretation of tongues. And we'll be looking at those in the subsequent series. But I just want to quickly say, in order to operate in the gift of prophecies, as we are talking about it this morning, the believer needs to be a disciplined and a separated person. You need to be somebody who is spiritual because the Bible says God is spirit and they that must worship him must do what? Worship him in spirit and in truth. It applies also to our being able to operate the gifts of the spirit. God wants us to be a spiritual people. We read, for those of you who are listening to this on um, uh, podcasts or Live Get Outreach TV, We read from 2 Peter chapter 1, and we read from verse 12 to 21. But I want to quickly take us back to verse 16. And before I read these verses of scripture, I want to give a context to it. You see, when Peter was writing this, he was talking about an experience they had. When you have time, write down Matthew chapter 17 from verse 1 to 13. There was an encounter they had with the Lord Jesus. This is Peter, James, and John. When Jesus took them to the mountain, what we now call the mountain of transfiguration the bible says when they got there suddenly a cloud enveloped them and uh, before the when the cloud as they were up there and the cloud enveloped them that's the presence of god the bible says suddenly they saw next to jesus christ moses and elijah and you know peter in his very typical fashion was so thrilled by it he said let us stay here forever We're going to build three tabernacles. One for you, Lord Jesus. One for you, Moses. And one for you, Elijah. And forgot about himself. Praise the Lord. But that is Peter for you. He was a very zealous man. When Jesus saw him the first time and he caught a lot of fish. Instead of him to say, Jesus Christ, thank you so much. I love you. He said, depart from me. (laughs) Because I'm a man of iniquity. And Jesus just loved that man because of his zeal. But then Peter saw that, and he was, he was so sure. The Bible says that the voice came from heaven in that encounter that they had on that mountain. I'm going somewhere with this so that we can understand this context. Go back to verse 16. The Bible says that, and as they heard from the voice, he said that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And he said, hear him. Matthew's account says, hear him. Hallelujah. So when Peter was devising this thing and telling them about how they were being engrafted to prophesy, he gave the context of their personal encounters with God. Anybody who will operate in the gift of prophecy must be somebody that knows how to have personal encounters with God. Because you must hear God to speak God. I say you must hear God to speak God. If you don't hear God, you will speak something, but it is not God. So you must be a person. So Paul now, Peter now began to say this. Now let's read it together. Verse 16. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made to you known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we are what eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it, we encountered it, we touched it. That is why we can say to you, these are not cunningly devised fables. Oh, we have a world today that is listening to cunningly device fables. People lying in the name of the Lord. People speaking of the flesh from the flesh in the name of the Lord. And God is saying, look, we are not a fable. That is why I always say Jesus did not speak fables. He spoke parables. Every story he told, even though they were not true realities as such, they were stories that were made up. So that we can understand and they had a the potential to be real. The, the prodigal son, the sower and things like that. They were not fables. Fables are lies fabricated by the enemy to confuse a world. The Bible says when he speaks a lie, he speaks in his native language. John chapter 8 verse 44. He said he, they, they, those people were of their father, the devil, who always is a liar and the father of lies. Peter said we did not... Follow. We did not follow that pattern. And so you as a person must not be lured into following that pattern of devising cunningly devised fables so that you don't fall short of the standard that God expects. Let's go to verse 17. The Bible says in verse 17, let's read together. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. What? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 18. Verse 18. And we heard this voice which came from heaven When we were with him on the holy mountain. Remember I told you go and read Matthew 17 so that you remember that and you can refresh yourself about that encounter very well. He said we heard the voice. Every prophet or everyone prophesying rather must hear the voice of God before they speak. If you don't hear the voice, don't speak. You see we are living in in a generation that is trying to manufacture things. We are trying to manufacture spirituality without paying the price for spirituality. And so we have fake prophets all over the place. We have people faking prophets and deceiving, faking miracles and faking prophecies and deceiving many. And sadly, sadly, churches are packed. Not every church that is a mega church, please get me correctly. But there are many churches that we know very clearly that the demonstration that is there is nothing but fake but fab- and fables. And we must continue to be guarding ourselves and protecting ourselves from these things. Listen, friends, it is God's prerogative to perform miracles. It is God's prerogative to perform healings. He chooses to do it, and it is God's prerogative to speak to us prophetically. The Bible says there was a time when the word of the Lord was cast If he chooses to make it scarce and we want to force it to happen, we will speak lies. Let's be real. If he is not doing it, let's not do it. If he is not making it happen, let's not try to make it happen. Just speak the word. Just go to him and whatever he says. If he gives you only two sentences to speak, speak the two sentences and don't add a third or a fourth so that it can be longer and sweeter. Even though the word of the Lord was scarce, he still came to a little boy called Samuel. He will still come to the people he chooses to come to. He will still, scarcity doesn't mean that he has denied the world completely. But God must be allowed to be God and to be sovereign over these gifts. So we must all understand that what is going on in our world today calls for a lot of caution on our parts. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, we heard him from the holy mountain. And then verse 19, I'll control it. He said, and so we have what? The prophetic word confirmed, which you do well. Are you reading with me? Let's read together again. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until what the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. The Bible says we have. The prophetic word confirmed. The original King James says, we have the more sure word. The word that came from the throne of God himself. He said, you do well to take heed. Now, this is the receiving part of it. The giving part is not to follow cunningly devising, devised fables to manifest it. The receiving part is to do well, to do what? To take heed, to believe it, and to act on it. He said, it is like a light that shines in a dark place and until the day dawns, the light shines in a dark place and until the day dawns, and then the morning star rises right in your heart. Hallelujah. And in verse 20, let's read verse 20 together. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. But what for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as what? They were moved by the Holy Spirit. Peter said, we read of the old prophets. We know them that they were moved by the Holy Spirit. We also have encounters with Jesus. We have seen him in transfiguration. We have seen him in the fullness of his glory. We have heard directly from the mouth of God the Father, affirming him as Jesus Christ. And so we prophesy, not by cunningly devised fables, but by these encounters that we have had with the Lord. And the Bible says, he said, you do well to take heed. You do well to take heed. Until the day star rises in your heart. Because it is as a light that shines in a dark place. What that means is that at times, when the word of prophecy is spoken, all you still see is darkness. But you keep believing it. You keep believing it. You keep believing it because there is a dawn that is coming. The Bible says, weeping may endure for the night, but there is a joy that is coming with the morning light. If you don't have the patience to wait for the morning, you will die with the weeping of the night. You, have, you need to develop patience to take the prophetic word and keep running with it it can be one year, it can be two years it can be one minute, it can be ten years it doesn't matter but as long as you know that this is the word that has come from God you keep running with it you keep running with it and then suddenly the day star will arise in your heart and the light will begin to shine and it will be a brand new day for you and joy will come with your morning light in the name of Jesus Let us press into higher things. Let us press to encounter God. This is what it takes to operate the gift of prophecy. I like the story of one prophet that we hardly talk about in the Old Testament. He's called Amos. He's the man who told us about the, through the revelations of God, about the great verse we use that can two walk together except they be agreed. Amos chapter 3 verse 3. The book of Amos is full of many, many interesting encounters of God's people. This was a time when there was so much perversion in the land. The children of Israel were just, you know, rancorous. They played the wardom. They disregarded God. And they had a wicked king called Jeroboam and a very, very uh, self-centered and polluted priest called Amaziah in those days. But Amos was the prophet in the land. Amos was righteous. Amos understood God. In Amos chapter 3 verse 3, he was telling them that it is impossible, God revealed to him that it is impossible for him to walk with his children because they are not in agreement and that two cannot walk together except they be agreed. And in verse 7 of Amos chapter 3, he said that surely God will not do anything. Please write down these scriptures because Even though you may listen to the message, it might be good for you to write them down and go over them again. He said, surely God will not do anything without first revealing it to his servants, the prophets. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God will do nothing without first revealing it to his servants, the prophets. And I want you to know that in our day and age, yes, we may have people who operate in the prophetic. But for you as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, there is nothing that God will desire to do in your life that he cannot speak to you about. Praise the Lord. Nothing that God will choose to do in your life that he cannot speak to you about. So you don't have to keep looking for prophets. Hallelujah you don't have to keep looking for prophets in order to manifest the will of God for your life. God is willing to speak to you. Can you please look at your neighbor for me and tell them God is willing to speak to you. All you need to do is to position yourself to hear him. Now, God can now choose to speak to you through prophets. He can choose to speak to you through prophecies. But primarily, the Bible says there is a spirit of God that bears witness in your own spirit that you are the son of God. Is it all you hear every day? Is that all you hear? Do you just hear the Holy Spirit? You're a son of God. You're a son of God. You're a son of God. Is that what he says to you? Do you hear that every day? If you hear that every day, I don't think it is God you are hearing. <laughs> it could be like that girl in Acts chapter 16 that was saying these are people of God every day. These are people of God. (laughs) It may be a familiar spirit because he's just saying that you are a son of God means that he's confirming to you everything about your sonship. Every day, I tell my sons the things that I know that they have not known about me. I tell them about how I was born, how my history was, and I'll ask them again. I say, do you know this? Have I ever told you this story when I was 10 years old? They say, no, you haven't. And then I tell them that story again. So many of them can almost tell you, all my children now can almost tell you my life, where I was when I was 15, where I was when I was 20. Because I'm always telling them that is how the Spirit speaks to us and tells us about the Father and the intentions of the Father. Not only that, I tell them my plans, what I plan for them in five years, what I plan in ten years, Jesus starting to come, God sparing my life. I tell them my plans. The same way God is always telling us by His Spirit. What we get from the ministry of the prophet or the gifts of prophesying are confirmations and affirmations of those things that God is already speaking to us and will be speaking to us in time to come in the name of Jesus. So Amos was very, very concerned as a person that the people were going astray from God. And in Amos chapter 7 verse 15 he made this declaration to Amaziah. But before he said this, I'll quickly give you a context of chapter 7. You see, when the thing got so hard, God showed Amos the vision of a plumb line, which showed that God was really ready to separate from his children, and he was going to send them to wilderness, and Jeroboam's rule was going to come to an end. And the Bible says that Amaziah got so, that is the priest now, this is a corrupted priest, He got so furious, he went to Jeroboam and he said to him, this man is evil. This man is colluding with the enemy and he won't hear. He's prophesying that Israel will be destroyed. Before Jeroboam could even say anything, he went. Amaziah now went and met Amos, the prophet. And he said to him, leave Bethel. Go and prophesy in the land of Judah. Go away from us. Leave us alone. He said, we don't want you here anymore. And as he was saying that, he said, who even made you a seer? Who made you a prophet? And he was just trying to ridicule The great prophet Amos, the great servant of God, looked at him and said, Look, I was not a prophet. I was not born a prophet. Neither am I even a son of a prophet. In their days, the people like Elijah had sons of prophets from which Elisha came from. Elisha also later on had sons of prophets and so on, from which the likes of Gehazi should have come from if Gehazi had stayed in the cause. So they used to grow like that. So um, uh, Amos said, I was not in that kind of clan. I was just basically a shepherd. And I used to just shear and cut down the sycamore trees. That is the job I was doing. Then he now spoke this verse. When you get a chance, go and read Amos chapter 7 from verse 1 to 14. You will see what I'm saying there. But now in verse 15, let's read it together. He said, Then the Lord took me as I followed the flock, not as I was a prayer warrior or an ordained prophet. He said, The Lord took me as I followed the flock, as I was doing my shepherding, which God called me to do, basically, as I was doing my vocational work, just shepherding sheep, as I followed the flock. And he said to me, What? Go. Go do what? Prophesy to my people Israel. He said, the Lord took me and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. So it doesn't matter whether you are a nurse, you are a teacher, you are a lawyer, you are a carer, you are a doctor, you are anything whatsoever. As long as your heart is right and your mind is tuned to God, the Lord can make you prophesy at any time. And the Lord will use you with the supernatural gift of prophecy Amen. in the name of Jesus. So, to operate in this gift, therefore, we must know how to spend time with God. We must know how to separate ourselves unto God. You see, when we talk about spend time with God, many people's heart goes to go, go immediately to spending three days, one weekend, you lock yourself in a room and you're not talking to anybody, no eating any food, no drinking any water, because you are spending time. Somebody says spending time. Because you are spending time with God. Now, believe me, that is good and beautiful if it is done right. There's nothing wrong with it. But I want you to relate with this man called Amos, who was just shepherding flock, and suddenly God comes to him and says, go prophesy. Do you know what that means? It simply means that All you need in the spending of time with God is to have a qualitative heart, is to have a heart that is free of hatred and bitterness, a heart that is free of malice, a heart that is free of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, a heart that is truly sanctified. When you keep your heart clean, God will speak to you regularly. When you keep your heart pure, God will open to you his treasures regularly. The only thing God needs from you is a broken and a contrite spirit. The only thing God needs to use you in this office of a prophet and to prophesy is to have a heart that is clean. Now, don't get me wrong. If God gives you the luxury of spending more time physically, do it. But there is is danger in spending a whole day fasting. And all you have been doing that day is walking in bitterness, walking in jealousy and envy. There is danger. In fact, that is hunger strike. It has produced nothing. (laughs) We must know when we say spend time with God, it means have a qualitative lifestyle that God can always relate to. Now, it is not easy. The Bible says there is something called the weapon of our warfare. They are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. And what they do is to pull down strongholds. You know what strongholds are? Hiding places of all these little, little things that want to spoil the vine. They are hiding places of hatred. Hiding places of little lust here. Hiding places of lies. Hiding places of gossip. Hiding places of jealousy. Hiding places of those little, little, little things that may not appear to the surface. So every time you notice a manifestation of any one of them, you pull down the stronghold. The Bible says that the weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. So you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I read myself. You know, there is every... I, I wrote something on Facebook last week. Uh, and I said that as long as you have to exist with other people, the opportunity to... Uh, to offend and be offended will always be there it will always exist even you by yourself you offend yourself you know how don't you see yourself thinking bad thought at times you are offending yourself and your heart is not happy is that not offending yourself <laughs> that did not involve anybody it's you by yourself you are on your bed and you suddenly thought of slapping somebody and then you say lord I didn't mean to think like that you are the only one offending yourself. So how come when they now put you plus another person who is offending themselves, you see that you are now four people. <laughs> so as long as you are in this world and you must relate to other people, you will have a potential to offend people and they will have a potential to offend you. You must put on the forgiveness gear. Always asking for forgiveness. As soon as somebody say, you wrong me, don't say, what did I do? Just say, I'm sorry. Don't waste time saying, what did I do? Because what you did may not make sense to you, but they say it offended them. Just say, I'm sorry. I mean it. Say, I'm sorry. I did not mean to offend you. But if that offended you, I am sorry. As long as you are willing to ask for forgiveness and they are willing to forgive, and you are also willing to forgive them if they offended you, you keep your heart clean. A lot of believers are going about today offended. They leave a church offended, go to another church, they are received with open arms. People there don't know that they have come with a bag of offense. So the next person that looks like is trying to do whatever they said, offended them before, they start the same trouble again. And now it is a multiplied effect. So many women today are not appreciating their husbands because they are living with offense from a hurt from a previous marriage or a previous husband. So many men today are very mean to their wives because they are living with an offense from their father who was abusive to their mothers and they were offended with their father and all kinds of junk. You have to deal with offense and keep your heart clean. The devil knows that the biggest tool in the hand of God is the heart of man. That's why the Bible says the heart of man is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Who can know it? So you must keep checking your heart and purging your heart of all offense. When you allow yourself to be separated from the things that are seeking to pollute you and you meditate on those things that are good report those things that are just, those things that are noble, those things that are good, you know what? Think about heaven every day. It's a good thing. It's not that you want to die. Don't be afraid. If you are thinking about heaven and you think that means that you want to die, then you are losing out. (laughs) Keep thinking about heaven. Every day you wake up, read John chapter 14 and say, oh, I go to prepare a place for you. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you. I like my mansion. I can see it now. It's so beautiful. Look at all the golden gates that could lead to my mansion. (laughs) Hallelujah. Enjoy yourself thinking about heaven. You know what that does for you? When you see things of this art that are trying to pollute you and stop you from getting there, you easily let go. I've made up my mind by the special grace and mercies of God. Yes, you can clap if you want to clap. Anytime you want to clap, clap. It is to the glory of God. Amen. When you live like that, people come with things to want to. You know it takes two people to fight. It takes two people to argue. Have you ever seen somebody arguing by themselves? They come and tell you, your hair is brown. This is my hair now. Somebody comes to me and I say, I didn't say that has happened, but I'm just giving you an illustration. He said, Pastor David, your hair is brown. Say okay, thank you very much. You know that ends the argument. But if I say what do you mean it is black? Ah, I've started something that's not <laughs> is it not my hair? You say it's brown. If what you see is brown, good for you. <laughs> what I see is more of black and some some things like that that come with <laughs> that come with age. <laughs> Hallelujah. But if all you see is brown, man, I'm not ready to argue with you. I'm not. I've made up my mind, it's not worth it. You chose it, go and live with it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is not living sarcastically or anything. It is how you keep offense out of your heart. Of course, we tell people the truth, we try to correct, but do it in love and make sure you don't stay offended. So to operate these gifts, we need to live like that. To enjoy the gifts, however, we must have faith in the true prophetic word. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. It said, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, According to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may do what? Wage the good warfare. When you hear the prophetic, you need to use it to wage war. As soon as God declares a word concerning you, Satan goes into action. Every time God declares a word concerning you, Satan sets every motion in place to try to discourage you. And he doesn't stop. You overcome him, he regards again He comes back with stronger force You overcome him, he regards again And comes back with stronger force So at times, God uses little, little things To teach us how to face the bigger Goliaths. God will use little, little opposition Like the bear, the lion To train people like David for the day of Goliath When you see those little oppositions Don't worry, God has already spoken That you are crossing to the other side I say you are crossing to the other side That's what the disciples didn't know. When they saw the wind and the storm, Jesus that knew that nothing was stopping that prophetic word that would get them to the other side was asleep. He was resting. But the ones that did not know say, hey, we will perish. Many times people who don't have prophetic insight into their calling, into their life mandates, into what God has said concerning every one of their children, concerning their spouse, concerning their life, they get perturbed with the smallest insult. I have never been in doubt that this church, one day, it will be so difficult for you to get a place to park if you don't get here by 9.30. (laughs) I have never been in doubt of it. I just know that it's a matter of time. And every time the devil comes and he says, can you see? Is that how he's going to be (laughs) 3,000? Can you see? But I say, no, the Lord has said it, and no word that God has ever spoken has ever returned to him (laughs) void. But it will accomplish those things for which it has been declared in the name of Jesus. You need to wage the warfare. God told you, listen to what we say when we pray for those children at dedication. We're not joking. Record it. Take the clip. Play it again. When the child, when there was declaration on the child that he will be great, when he reaches year one at age five or year, when they start year one now, yes, age six. When he reaches year one and they come and tell you that he is not good in math, even though we can see that he's trying, he's not good, he's not this. And they give you those kind of reports. Don't say, yeah, 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 yeah. No, don't agree with it. In love and gentleness, tell them, I think there's a misunderstanding. He's a good child. He's doing well. Just give him time. I know he'll do well. And collect your son from the place where you get home. Lay hands on him and say, Yeah. It is said concerning you, you shall be great. It is said concerning you, you shall be a leader of leaders. It is said concerning you that you shall be the head and you shall not be the tail. That is what you do in waging good warfare. Believers will also do. They say, oh, it's like a child that needs special. Don't agree any special thing. Say, my child is already special. He doesn't have any special need." in the name of Jesus. Am I saying that there are no situations that warrant those? There could be, but you have to keep worrying and declaring whatever. The man that lifted me up almost 50 years ago in a little church in Kanu, northern Nigeria, I was told there were no videos, so I believe my parents, and that's what he said. He lifted me up, and he said, you will be a professor to this world in the name of Jesus. He said, you will love the Lord all the days of your life in the name of Jesus. So my father took those words, and as I was growing, he began to say it. He began to say it. He began to tell me that this is what was said. Today, by the special grace of God, I don't carry the designation professor yet, but I fly the world doing academic stuff, doing professional stuff, doing ministry stuff. Next week, by God's grace, I'll be in Hong Kong again. (laughs) Hallelujah. Just doing the professor stuff that somebody said over me 50 years ago. But when I graduated 30 years ago, it was as if it would never happen. I didn't get a job. Everywhere I look for a job, I didn't get a job. The only job by God, somebody even denied me from getting it. You have heard that story before. The man said he will not give me after everybody has approved. But the prophetic word that has gone on you must be used for good warfare. And the Lord will continue to cause it to deliver in your life. Some of you are looking at me today. There is a prophetic word that you will be an employer of labor. And you are saying, how will it be? How will it come to pass? Because you are looking at yourself now. God who has spoken will make it come to pass. In the name of Jesus. Some of you are looking at me here. You will pastor big churches. Not just one church. You will pastor big churches. And it will come to pass in the name of Jesus. You are looking at me now and say, "But Pastor David, I'm even struggling to join early morning prayer. How will I pastor one church?" God knows where you are today. He called Amos from the shipping, from the being a shepherd, and he made him prophesy. He will call you from where you are, and you will get to where he wants to take you. In the name of Jesus the bible says some people who did not who lost who lost their good conscience they have rejected the prophecy and then they have made their faith to have shipwreck you will not make your faith have shipwreck yeah. you will keep believing the word of god till the very end yeah. in the name of jesus I am confident here. When God told me, raise for me and with me a people of purity, power, purpose, and prosperity. I am confident that what I will be seeing and we will be seeing in the lives of people are standing Christians who love the Lord with all their hearts, who want to do the things of God, who are walking in the power of God as commanded by God, who are fulfilling purpose in destiny and are prospered in every way of life. They are prospered in the things of the spirit. They are prospered in the things of the soul. They are prospered prospered in every physical way. Their bodies overcome every challenge of sickness. Their bank accounts are responding to the needs of the hour. In the name of Jesus, God will raise you in that way as he has spoken. In the mighty name of Jesus. So prophecies cannot be limited by time. God was the first person to prophesy. We don't have time to look at all these scriptures now. Genesis chapter 3, what happened? The Bible says God spoke to the the devil, the serpent. He said, on your belly you will crawl, and the seed of the woman will bruise your head, even though you will bruise his heel. That simply was prophesying the coming of Jesus Christ. God did not wait for Isaiah. It was not Isaiah and all those prophets that prophesied Jesus first. God himself spoke by himself, not through any prophet, to release the greatest prophecy of all. And today we are living, billions of us are living because of that one prophecy We are living as children of God. Truly the son of God manifested. And the works of the devil have been destroyed. (laughs) In the name of Jesus. If Jesus could not be stopped from happening despite everything. Nothing will stop the prophecy and the word of God from manifesting in your life. In the name of Jesus. It could be instantaneous. It could be as I said. Something that takes some time. It could be generational. It could be transgenerational. Like we just talked about Jesus Christ. That prophecy is over 6,000 years ago. But it happened. It came to pass. It means nothing will not come to pass in your life. God will make all things come to pass in your life. In the name of Jesus. We need to know how to discern. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19. It said, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies. Verse 21, it says, test all things, hold fast what is good. Don't despise prophecies. Don't despise the spirit. Don't quench the spirit because the spirit will help you to test all spirits. Friends, our day and age, we need to know how to test all spirits. Many prophecies today are not from God. And this is not the first time this will be happening. Look at the days of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was another man that God used so much. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, he said, Before you were formed in the womb, I knew thee and and called you a prophet and ordained you to the nations. So Jeremiah was an upright man. He was a man that was used to predict hundreds of years before the captivity of Babylon was to last for 70 years. He prophesied it. But look at what... God told Jeremiah, let's read together Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 11, as I begin to bring this to a close. He said what? For both prophet and priest are what? Profane. Yes, in my house, I have found their wickedness, says the Lord. I will urge you to go and read Jeremiah 23. You would think you are reading a script from our day today. You would think you are reading a story that was, a a new story that was written about the world we are living in today. And this happened over 4,000 years ago the Bible says that God said both prophets and priests in my house in the so called church in the so called holy place they are profane they have been abused they have abused themselves they have left the way he said yes in my house I have found their wickedness says the Lord what were they doing go straight to verse 21 let's read together he said I have not sent these prophets yet they ran I have not spoken to them yet they prophesy." Hallelujah. Verse 22 says, But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from their evil doings. God is willing to use them. It's not that God is not willing to use them. But they did not wait on God. They were listening to the voice of the people. They were listening to the yearnings of wickedness. They were listening to their greed and their pride. They thought they would lose popularity. They thought they would lose fame. And then they began to prophesy in the name of the Lord. And God said to Jeremiah, I did not send them. I just needed them to wait on me. These are prophets and priests, obviously ordained of God, but they were not operating by God. May God not make us such prophets. In the name of Jesus. Prophecy is meant to ensure that we adhere to the doctrine. And because there is an evil spirit of the end time that Paul talked about in 2 Timothy chapter 4, we need to be very careful. This is what Paul said. He said, for the time will come, if you, go back to, if you remember what God said to Jeremiah, this is Paul's dispensation, New Testament. He said, for, God, for the time will come, read it with me, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have what? Itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. You see the word fables there again, which means lies. And verse 5 says, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Do the work of an evangelist there simply means do your ministry. We are all evangelists. We are all meant to evangelize and do that. But even in the specific ministry call of an evangelist as well, which Timothy was. But the reality there is that the time is here. People don't want to endure sound doctrine. I used to say to my wife jokingly, after God told me, raise for me a people of purity, power, purpose, and prosperity, and he began to give me the pattern of the message, I said to him, I said, Lord, you are the only one that will grow a church that will be preaching the kind of messages you say I should go and preach. Because people don't want to hear those things anymore. People don't want to hear. If you don't stand in front of people and say you buy a house, you buy a car, every week you will buy a house, you buy a car, you will travel. In my home country, you will get visa. That is the only thing now. You get visa, you get visa. I'm anointed to give you They do." night meetings, to prophesy for people to get visa. Visa! I can't believe it. And they spend heavy money, buy venues, rent venues, and say, you know, come and collect visa. (laughs) Because it is itching ears. Itching ears. Greediness. People like greed. Somebody to tell them, you will make it tomorrow. And I know you can make it tomorrow, but when it's coming from a position of greed, that is very bad. That is manipulative and serving the egos of men. We must desist from those things. We must know how to endure sound doctrine. There is something about God and timing. If you walk in it, it is the sweetest of life. The reason I sleep, yes, clap, 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 clap to the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you walk and operate by the timings of God, you will always sleep and wake up at the right time. You will not have any need to be afraid or worried. Because you are walking to the agenda of God. My God will continue to confirm his word in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus. Because you are willing to endure sound doctrine. God will give you the result of sound doctrine. In the name of Jesus. Rise to your feet and let us begin to worship.